Is AI something that fits the artist creative process or artists have to change the creative process to become a slave for AI? That's really the bottom line. I'm Tim Schneider, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News that brings the biggest stories in the art world down to earth. When the mainstream art world first encountered AI in 2017, the technology was largely received with open arms. Algorithmic works by Obvious and Mario Klingemann were fetching hundreds of thousands of dollars at auction. Art fairs like Scope featured art generated using AI, and institutions eagerly staged exhibitions on the subject. Even more telling, backlash was minimal from both the media and the larger art community. Fast forward to June 2023, and, well, not so much. The latest chapter in the story of AI has been dominated by outrage online and off. Artists are decrying the technology's widespread use and alleged violations of creators' rights. Institutions and corporations are being blasted for using AI-driven art in everything from marketing materials to actual content. And a handful of tech industry leaders have even warned that AI poses an extinction-level threat. So what changed? Why has AI-based art fallen so far out of favor? These are some of the questions examined in a recent Artnet News op-ed by Ahmed Elgamal. As an AI researcher, founder of the AI art platform Playform, and the developer of ICANN, one of the earliest algorithmic art generators, Elgamal is well-placed to observe the evolving, or maybe devolving, relationship between artificial intelligence and the art world. In his view, the gulf separating the pro-AI climate of 2017 from the fiercely anti-AI climate of 2023 mainly opened up because of one factor, the emergence of text-to-image generators. He argues that while these new tools have made it a cinch for anyone to quickly generate high-fidelity art of practically anything that can be described, they've also flouted ethical considerations and effectively killed creativity. Artnet News art and pop culture editor Min Shen recently spoke to El Gamal to dig into his argument and learn more about his take on the state of play for AI art, including why early AI-based art took off, how exactly text prompting has undermined the creative process, and where artists eager to work with artificial intelligence should go from here. Hello, Emmett. Thank you for joining us on The Art Angle. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. So you've written recently for Artnet News an incisive and some would say almost provocative op-ed where you contend that AI art is over, this despite its current upward trajectory. So I'm curious, how did you arrive at that argument? There is a big difference between making an image and making art. Most people don't distinguish that. You can make a very nice image nowadays using AI, a simple prompt like landscape in the style of Van Gogh, and you make a beautiful landscape image. But we know that it is not art. This is not what art is about. Art is about creating something that communicates some idea or some emotion or some story. And artists always seek to innovate, create something very unique. And this fundamental between creating art and creating just an image. Novelty, the element of surprise that you see or captivate you when you see an art, 
the emotional connectivity that you have, the vibes you get when you see an art. So that's important to to start the conversation uh, what art is. In the last few years, in the last five years in particular, there have been great advances in AI that have been used in making art. Many artists have been exploring what AI can do for them, what they can make with AI, how to integrate it into their process. At that time, there was something very interesting. AI was not perfect enough to generate a beautiful image, but it gave us these uncanny images. People used to call it the uncanny valley and have been waiting for getting out of the uncanny valley where the AI will generate photorealistic images and perfect images. And I kept telling everyone, if AI can generate perfect photorealistic images or perfect graphics, it will not be interesting anymore. Because the interesting part was that AI manipulated the pixel in the image in ways out of our words, out of our semantics, out of our understanding as human. So that was very fundamental. AI used to give us very interesting visuals, surreal looking, something that we never thought about. Something when you see, you realize this is not done by a human. It's done by something else, like alien. And this is lost now. Nowadays, look at the trends on generative AI, things like DALL-E and Midjourney generate amazing images, but it's not interesting for artists. Yes, it can be interesting if you are an illustrator, you can use it as a tool. If you are a graphic designer, it can help you. But most fine artists, this is not what you're looking for. You're looking for surprises, something new, new ideas, new direction, new ways to manipulate the canvas that give their audience a vibe and interest. And this is lost. I really enjoyed that segment of your op-ed, which brings up machine failure aesthetics of early AI art, which is defined by deformed faces and glitches. Could you elaborate on this particular appeal of this early AI-generated art? The interest in AI in making art is not new. It's as old as AI itself. We have artists from the 80s have been using AI. In the last five years, there have been a lot of interest because of something called GANs, Generative Adversarial Networks. It's a machine learning technique that uses deep learning to generate images. And the kind of images it generates have this uncanny look. It kind of manipulates the pixels from randomness. You try to generate some concepts. You can give it, for example, images of classical portraits and it will try to imitate them. But in that imitation comes some failures because it could not generate perfect images for a long time. And from that failure came the nice aesthetics, came these kind of surreal portraits that was surprising and interesting. It reminds us of things like Francis Bacon deformed portraits with the fundamental difference that when Francis Bacon made that, he had the intention of doing that to convey some emotion or something internal about the character. While AI simply failed to create a perfect portrait, and out of that failure come the interesting look. One of them had been sold in an auction by Christie, by the group Obvious, a few years ago. I myself have an exhibition called Faceless Portraits in New York a couple of years ago. And really, it was really interesting. It is something that when I look at it, I find it very surprising when I work with this AI to generate something like that and I can take it over and work on it. If the AI create a perfect photorealistic portrait, how that's different than a camera then? The interesting thing is lost. Yes, it's useful now to create fake images if you are in need for fake images for anything. But for an artist, it's not interesting anymore. I find it so interesting that so many digital artists are using AI in a way to recreate the presence of the artist's hand, whereas 
what you're looking for is the presence of machine in a way. Yes, I'm looking for something interesting. Uh, artist is always about how to push the aesthetics envelope. Great artists over the years have been really pushing against boredness or habituation in psychology. Like imagine you are living any time in history. If artists keep doing the same thing again and again, people are bored of it. Even artists themselves are bored of it. So the fundamental theory behind art evolution is that artists has to innovate, have to find new ways of expression, new styles, new subject matters. Lots of innovation has to happen to push art forward. That is the great thing. I mean, that's how art is progressing. If you just keep doing the same thing, it's becoming boring very soon. Look at the artwork around you in your walls. You don't even notice them anymore. I mean, when you get a new art putting in your wall, you are excited about it. Give it a couple of weeks, a month, and then it's not there. You don't even notice it. That's habituation. You need something new to excite you. In the article, I gave the example of Picasso, Ladies of Avignon in particular. That's a really great example. So Picasso made this amazing painting in 1907, prior to even the cubism. And nowadays, art historian will tell you this is the beginning of the cubism, when he started flattening the plane and broke out the form of the subject. However, when he made this, experimenting with this concept, people didn't like it. Even in his closed circle, they didn't like it. He kept it in his studio and didn't show it to anybody. And even later in 1912, 1915, when cubism became a great thing, Still, people didn't like it. When it was first shown in 1915 in an exhibition, people didn't like it. Even critics, one critic called it immoral, and even Matisse, for example, called it unacceptable and immoral, things like that. Nowadays, we know that this is a great bit of art. It was not really appreciated until in the 1930s when it was put in the MoMA. Even 100 years later, it's still shocking. I remember walking in the MoMA a couple of years ago, and there was a sale on posters. Everything was sold out except poster of Ladies of Avignon by Picasso. Nobody want to buy it, <laughs> even more than 100 years later. So that tell you, I mean, great art is shocking. This is what great artists look for, how to make something surprising, shocking, captivating. I remember somebody defined art. I don't remember who at this point. Art is something when you see on the wall, you want to run away. Art is not anymore about having a beautiful picture on your walls. That definition of art has gone more than 100 years ago, art is really about communicating some new concepts, new ideas, new emotion, a new style, a new medium, a new way. The innovation is very important for art. And that's what artists are looking for, real artists, that's what they are looking for. And that kind of leads me to another point in your piece where you bring up the difference in how AI has been received. You mentioned back in 2017, when you first came out with ICANN, you had that exhibition, the obvious Christie's auction was in 2018. The art world really embraced AI art back then compared to now when it's the subject of some backlash. And a key factor you point out is the emergence of prompt-based generators, which rely on text inputs. Could you expand on that observation? AI art has been very welcomed in the art markets in the last few years. And main reason is that artists actually themselves was welcoming it and using it and finding surprising and interesting. So it was very in line with the mission of artists and what the art market looking for, this novelty board. There are two main reasons for the backlash now about AI art with the text prompt models. The text prompt kind of AI has been trained on billions of images from the internet with their caption. There are two problems here. These images are taken without artist content. Artists naturally put their images on the internet because they want to have exposure, but they didn't agree that this can be used in making AI models to compete with them. That's one problem. And the second problem is if you use these models right now, 
you are very likely to create something that is derivative of somebody's work. It might not be violation of the copyrights according to the law, but still it's very unethical. I can see why that really irritates a lot of artists, a lot of artists that work have been taken and a lot of artists that they feel now that AI is generating things very easily, similar to what they're generating. So that's why there's a backlash now. In the same time, I don't think what AI is generating now with this text prompt is really useful for certain artists. They might be useful if you are a creator doing illustration, graphic design, it can help you. But you have to be worried that also as long as this is helping you, that means it might take your job in the near, very near future. If you are an institution hiring 10 graphic designers, you might need to hire one in the future. In the last few years, AI had the potential, and it still has the potential, to become a studio assistant for artists, a studio assistant that gives them great ideas. It can create things faster for them. And as long as AI doing this function, it will be welcomed. If AI becomes a competitor and stealing their work, then it's a threat. Have you used any prompt-based generators, experimented with them for fun? Yes, yes, a lot. It's an amazing, easy way to generate things. For me, it's very interesting when you push to the limits, when it pushes to create something surprising again, something out of this world. And that's not easy. I mean, you have to really craft your prompt in a way that confuses the AI system. In general, I mean, one of the problems I see with text-based prompts, again, when talking about art making, artists think of the world using visual references, thinking about the visual experience, how the art will be seen. And they want to be in control. When you are an artist, you have the freedom to do whatever you want in the canvas. Even if you're a digital artist, you have the freedom to do everything in your digital canvas. And when you do text prompt generation, you are really controlled and confined to how the language is in control. Because now you really have to approach the canvas through words. So you only have to depict what can be conveyed through words. So it's very limiting. It's putting a barrier between you and the canvas. Moreover, this prompt, if you look at how users or creators use this prompt, it's not easy. You have to write really an essay-like prompt that's not really descriptive of the work itself or what's in the content. It's more of a crafted collection of keywords you have to insert in order for the AI to generate something that has an effect that you like. And the main reason because of how this model have been trained, they are, again, they are trained based on images and captions from the internet. Imagine what a caption looks like on the internet. A caption is designed to complement the visual experience. So you have an image and the caption doesn't describe what's in the image usually. The caption is just tell you, this is a photograph by X and it's copyrighted. It might be saying that he's taken by a certain camera or rendered in a certain way. So now if you want to generate, and these models are trained on these captions, you really need to invoke the system with these right keywords to generate the right visual experience. So these AI models are not intelligent. You can think of it as it's a smart retrieval system. It's a system that has been memorized lots of images and their caption, and by writing the query, you retrieve all similar images and you match them up and generate something uh, new. So that's the problem. Besides the language being a barrier, even the use of language is not the way an artist naturally would use to describe their work. It's a very unnatural way. Yeah, you're not so much describing or generating an image. More so you're searching for it. You are mining for it, not really creating. If you look at any artwork and try to describe it using words, 
it's very hard. I mean, they are saying art is worth a thousand words for a reason, because really it's very hard to describe a piece of art with words. You can describe the composition, maybe the color, but when it comes to some element of art, like the style, the tone, the emotion, it's very hard to describe them in words, very, very hard. So the reverse process is really not that easy. And one thing you alluded to just now, which goes towards the copyright issue, whether it's artists' works being used to train AI models, artists' styles being copied by models, or artists looking to copyright the generated art. Do you have any thoughts on copyright in the age of AI? Yeah, it's a mess. Basically, since these models have been trained on lots of artists' work without copyright, now when, if you are using this model to generate, we are in a three-party copyright problem now. Because there is the creator who want to generate using a text prompt. It can invoke somebody's work. So you're violating that person, even with knowing or without knowing. And then there is the false who trained the AI as well. So who is violating the copyright of who now? I might be failing into violating the copyright without me knowing because I wrote a prompt that brought somebody's image. And then the other issue is these models since it's not really creating things based on my own inputs. How can it be copyrighted? The copyright law actually refused to copyright images generated by this model. Although in the past, the copyright office did not have problem with copywriting AI as long as the models are trained on the artist's work and generating something unique. That was fine. But when you're using these kind of models, if me and you wrote exactly the same prompts, why the outcome is different? The only reason why the outcome is different is that because there is a random number generator that generates something different for you than me. So it's basically flipping a coin. That's what makes art. So how can I claim it's my art just because I wrote just a query that generated it? I am not in control. So that it doesn't give me any copyright over my work. I actually wanted to go back and pick up another thing about prompts that I just thought about. Are you aware of this growing industry of people offering services where they craft prompts for you? Totally, yes. There's a whole business now called prompt engineering. Anything that you do now for crafting these prompts is going to be obsolete in six months from now. Because with a new wave of models that will come, let's say, six months from now, you're going to basically have to learn from scratch how to write a prompt for this system. Writing a prompt is more like reverse engineering the system, just trying to figure out how it works, how to go around it and give it the input that provide you the right output. So it's reverse engineering. So the next dal e model or the next mid-journey model, whatever you have learned will be obsolete. You have to learn and try all over again. So it's kind of opportunistic business model. 100%. Another thing you op-ed also points out is that AI is becoming more like us in that it's reflecting what we see and how we see. What are the downsides or even dangers that you see in that? AI is trained mainly on human images, right? So whatever it's going to generate, it's going to be reiteration of what it has seen. There are limited creativity on what AI generates. Again, which is comes mainly from if it generates something that doesn't follow the rules. Well, that's where it becomes interesting. However, if you guys keep doing that, we end up basically in a stagnation. If you just rely on AI in making images... It's going to repeat the same styles, it's going to repeat the same ideas, and we end up basically in very bored from it very soon. That's why we need the human creativity to push in many different directions. Every artist tries to push in different directions, and the society is the one who pick up which one they like. That doesn't mean that AI is not creative. A few years ago, when we made iCare, the main concept is how can it 
be trained on art, but how to become innovative, create something that doesn't follow what uh, have been done before. So there are methods of making AI creatives. However, the issue is most of these big AI models comes from corporate with business mind behind them. They don't care about the artists. They care about what is the business model and who is going to be using this. So they are more consumer-focused than artist-focused. I noticed one thing about ICANN. What you offer is that you can create art that's not based on established styles, which I think is very key when it comes to AI art. So how do you see the relationship between AI and human artists evolving into the future? I think we are in the very early age of how AI can help creators in general and artists in particular. We are experimenting with different things at this point. But I see that there are two values that artists find in AI, and this is basically based on surveys we have done with artists. Artists like the creative surprise that it comes with AI out of this world, as long as AIs have these new ideas, they like it. And also artists like the creative volume, the fact that AI can generate many, many things for them very fast. So it becomes like an assistant. These are the two values that AI bring to art making. Every day there is new advances in AI, and every day now it's very hard to catch up. There are going to be new ways of making art using AI coming. I know this year everybody's talking about text to video and text to 3D, and the world is moving, moving very fast. And again, smart artists always try to see how they can use this in their process, how can use this new medium, new tools. But as long as AI can be used in their process, they're going to use it. If they need to change their process to fit what AI is generating, they are not going to use it. What do you think that means for our definition of what art making is? The traditional ideas that artists expend labor and creativity, what does art making mean in the age of AI? I think the definition of art has changed over the last hundred years already since Deschamps had made his fountain mineral thing. And the concept of ready-made art came around. So artists not necessarily have to make art based on labor. Art is made out of concepts. You have artists like Solowitz, for example, who made art in instructions. And you give the instruction to um, the museum or gallery to install the work based on instruction, not by your hand. So art is no longer related to labor. Art is really a conceptual process. And artists always use technology and try to use things that make their art pop out and different. But at the same time, artists come with a concept in mind. Artists want to say something and they try with whatever medium and tools that help them convey this. So again, the bottom line is, is AI something that fits the artist's creative process? Or artists have to change the creative process to become a slave for AI. That's really the bottom line. So I'm sure you've seen the recent news that a number of AI industry leaders, including those from OpenAI and Google DeepMind, have recently come out with a caution that AI poses an extinction-level threat to humanity. Do you have a take on their warning? Do you share a similar perspective? Yes and no. I think, yes, when it comes to things like ChatGPT, definitely there have been great advances and great abilities that emerged in these systems that we as a AI researchers, I am an AI researcher myself for the last 30 years, are totally surprised. When I first seen ChatGPT and interacted with it, I couldn't sleep at night because I was surprised how to answer this question. Everybody in AI research know how it works, but we don't know why it works. How come it gives these answers? And as long as we don't know why it gives us these answers, it's become scary. 
So definitely there are an element of fear here in terms of not knowing what's happening behind the scene in this model, what exactly it was trained on, why it gives you such surprising, smart, intelligent answer at some point and very stupid answer at the other points. And that really makes us fearful, especially we know that AI is very fast, knows a lot more than human, can really learn very fast and change very fast, and it can become scary, definitely. Do you find that warning a bit alarmist? It might be a little bit overreaction, but I trust also the judgment of some of the top experts in the field when they have this, and I listen to many of their arguments, and I understand why they are scared. However, I mean... It's not like the Terminator kind of scenario. I think the dangerous now is that if you give this AI the ability to change things in the world, we don't know how this can result in. We know now that many people are trying to use this system and give it access to the internet so it can do things. Once it starts doing things, things can become out of control and some harm can happen. And that's what's scary now. So as an AI researcher... What are some ethical considerations that should be built into AI as the technology develops? Yeah, that's a tricky question. I mean, definitely there must be, but I don't know how. Nobody knows how. I mean, we know that if we give that to the government, we're not sure if the right decision will come. If you give it to the corporate, we don't know if it will happen. So how it can be enforced at all, we don't know. We have seen, for example, in things like deep fakes in the last few years, people have been calling for ethical consideration, but nothing happened. And now everybody can do the fix now very easily. A simple solution could have solved this, enforcing a law that require copyrights, for example, for image generation could have solved the fake problem. But again, nobody have done anything. Mm -hmm. What do you think? How would you integrate ethics into AI? The ethical problem is a human problem, not an AI problem. If you want to make the technology ethical, you have to really look at how people are using this and make the adjustment to the laws for human using the technology. It's the people who are using it can use it to make harm and they have to be held accountable. What would you say to artists who are interested in incorporating AI into their practice but are unsure of how to navigate its limitations and challenges? I myself, after making ICANN five years ago, switched into answering this question. So I made a platform called Playform where artists can explore and experiment with AI technology in a safe environment. And many of the issues that are raised now in using AI, we have thought about it from day one. For example, everything that you create in Playform is private. Nobody see your work, so your privacy is preserved. You can train your own AI based on your own images without having to have any pre-trained models used, violating copyrights of people. So we have been really focused on ethical considerations from day one. And focus on the experimentation, giving artists the way to experiment with and explore with new things. And I think artists like that. Artists like to explore, experiment, have their privacy, make sure that they can not violate anybody, copyrights, and make sure that they work with their own data. Mm -hmm. Looking ahead, do you have any hopes for how AI might be used differently by artists? I'm sure artists will find ways to use the technology the way it fits their process. There are so many different ways of making art. I have seen, for example, painters and sculptors who do physical work use AI because they like, for example, the ideas that came out of AI and try to implement it. So artists are going to find ways to use AI across the spectrum. There is not going to be one AI way of making art. 
this wave of text prompting is that current trend now, but I'm sure a year from now, nobody will be talking about this and we're going to be talking about other ways of making art using AI. Might be text to video or 3D or other things. So it's changing all the time. And again, depending on what kind of art you are making, what is your process, we're going to find the right tool and feed it into your process. Wonderful. Well, it was great speaking to you. Thank you so much for being on The Art Angle, Ahmed. Thank you very much for inviting me. That's it for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and me, Tim Schneider. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.